Bless the Lord. Thank you, Father, for the word of God. Let it be quick and precise. Just a summary, O oh Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, allow us to just take a few steps on that path you've got us on to, Lord. We know we're not going to jam it into three weeks to coincide with 21 days of fasting. All it is is a launch and a start. We thank you for that, Lord. Be blessed, Holy Spirit. Bring truth. Let everything glory God. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I can't review where we've been and, and all of that. There's not enough time. We, we are on a, a pursuit, and that pursuit is what the Lord had spoken to us, the word transformation. We understand it's not just changing, it's a complete rearranging. It's becoming something new. All things are made new. We're new creation creatures. Old things have passed away if we let them pass away. If we dwell and live in it, then we're still a hybrid. We're part in it. So part of transforming is to really make a commitment to transform and to leave some things behind and to allow the Lord to do the work. That's one of the reasons why we have specifically determined not to have an agenda. We haven't had Saturday nights. We haven't had Tuesday nights. We want the Lord to lead us and take us to that place we're going and to rearrange things. So I want to touch very quickly on some of that. Uh, we first focused on personal transformation in the first week. Patty dealt with it some again last week. And uh, we were moving into the transformation for our church. Uh, this last week we had good prayer on Saturday morning. Um, there wasn't that many, but we had prayer Saturday morning. I think there were 12 of us, and it was powerful. The Lord spoke. Uh, we know we moved God, and we know things are happening. And uh, we continue to pray for that transformation of this specific church. Yes, there's a wider body of Christ, and that's the transformation for the kingdom and the body of Christ. The blast I sent out to you said that the church has gone through 2,000 years of bodybuilding. The church has been bodybuilding since Jesus founded the church which was founded when he came up out of the water and was baptized by John. There was a handing off of the Spirit. John didn't want to baptize him. He said, I'm not worthy. And Jesus said, you must baptize me to fulfill it. John didn't realize that was the beginning of the birth of the church in Jesus Christ, which he birthed on earth. He called forth his disciples. He established his word. He established the relationship with the Father. He established that the Holy Spirit can fill as he did him and we could walk in that fillness. And that was the beginning of the church. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Holy Spirit took over that process here on earth. And we understand that we receive of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I want to share with you something that uh, birthed in me in this morning, something I knew already, but it came very clear to me, that we are seeking the will of God. And the one thing that we're looking for clarity and vision is, what is that will of God in transformation right now? Not what our will is, not what agendas are, not what people's missions are, not what ministries are. What is the will of God? And it starts, first of all, on the mega picture. What's the will of God in the time that we live in? Do we know the time in we live in? Who are you? Where are you? What are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to do it? 
Well, we know that we're new creatures in Christ. We know we're born again. We know that with that comes all of the promises and the access to the throne room and the abundance of God. If you don't know that, you need to resolve and get to that in your personal transformation, whether it's here or wherever you're at right now. And to begin to walk in that fullness of knowing that you have made, been made the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Where are we? We obviously know on a, on a geographical basis, those of us were here on earth and in different places, we're in different cities, different cultures, different nations, different continents. But where are we? We're in a dimension. We're in a dimension that's called this dimension of humanity here on earth. And we realize that even though we are contained and constrained by these tents, these earthly tents here on earth, we have a different citizenship. You may have a political citizenship, and that's another thing. If you recall, Joseph went to Bethlehem to pay his taxes and do a census. That was political. But there was born one who had a different citizenship. His name was Jesus Christ. And because he's made you the righteousness of God, your citizenship, my citizenship, even though geographically we're here on earth and somewhere else, is in heaven. We walk with that passport. We walk with that citizenship. And with it comes a requirement. With it comes the requirement to be ambassadors for him here on earth. Ambassadors are given a mission to the place that they go to. They're supposed to understand the culture, the country, the state, the geopolitical ambassadors. But as ambassadors here on earth of the kingdom of God, we represent the kingdom of God. God chooses to work through us. That's why part of the message and part of the transformation is that we have become and are becoming a bridge a bridge of transformation. The Elijah spirit is a bridge to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Elijah did so with the law and the prophets. He moved from just the law into that miraculous power of the prophets. The miraculous was added to the law, not just through God doing miracles, but through men and women doing miracles. That's what that Elijah spirit brought. It brought the kingdom here to earth. And that's what Jesus said we are to do is to bring the kingdom come here on earth, even as it is in heaven in the present now. And so we are those ambassadors here in the present now. We're in a place that God has put us and in a time that God has put you. You weren't just somehow carelessly, negligently con conceived and put onto the earth now. You were destined and determined. God knew your name. He knew your parts. He assembled them for such a time as this. The sad thing is many people go through life and never fulfill the destiny that God has given them. It may not be the same destiny somebody else has. It may not be recorded. It may not be something that people revere and understand well, but if it's your destiny that God has given you, then you're fulfilling God's promise and what he's given. But you can't do it if you don't know it. And you can't know it if you're not willing to do it. And so in this instance, we see that we're here on this earth in the present now. We have a purpose for living in the present now. The purpose for living in now isn't just to get the end of your life here and then walk into heaven. I think we've done a very poor job in putting everybody's eyes and focus on heaven all the time. That's a good place to be when you need some comfort and solace to know there's a better place than here. But it's not a good place to, to look at constantly if it keeps you from doing what you're supposed to do here or lets you understand you can't overcome now. If you're born today, then the book of Revelation tells you that you're one of those who is destined to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. 
And you're supposed to overcome by the word of your testimony. If your testimony is I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, you're not overcoming here on earth. You're just overcoming earth. You're getting into heaven, yes, but you're not overcoming here. If your testimony is, I am a new creation, powerful warrior, worshiper, watchman of God. I've been put in this place in the present now to be something special for God. And when I'm united with people in the single purpose, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of you know that, that I've come to an awareness a long time ago, and I hope you do, that I can't do all things through Christ who strengthens me without you? I can't do it. I can do it alone. I can try, but I can't get there. There's power in agreement. That's why God joined a man to a woman and a woman to a man. That's why God gave us family. That's why God called us to prayers of agreement. Because if you pray together, you stay together. You come together. Beloved, I would encourage you this Saturday morning, come and pray together. Take your time out. Transform. Do something different than what you've been doing. You know, I had somebody ask me yesterday, are we still having church tomorrow? I said, why? Well, there's a snowstorm coming. I said, really? Look at today. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. There's a lot of sun. If the snowstorm comes tonight, that's a good time to fast and pray and, and, and be sanctified unto the Lord because no one's going to expect you to go and do anything else but maybe shovel your snow. Right? So this is the time we need to, to get to the plow. We need to get to the grind mill. We need to go. The Lord showed me that out of this transformation, not just in the body, this body, but in the kingdom of God over these next two years, there's going to be a dividing that goes on. It's already been happening, but it's going to become very, very clear. And that dividing that's going on is between the body of Christ that's been bodybuilding but not spiritually restoring. It's going to be those that are lukewarm and some that are cold. But especially those who are lukewarm as compared to those who are zealous and hot. God has always separated people unto himself for a great move of God. I could go through, I don't have time. Abraham, come out. Abraham went and saved his nephew, but his wife didn't make it, did she? Because she looked back. There's no looking back when God begins to transform. Moses, bring my people out, that they might be a peculiar people to me. And he set them aside. Jacob in the wilderness changed his name from a deceiver to that of Israel that God would have a peculiar people for him in this day. God moves from the wilderness. He doesn't move from the mountaintop with everybody. We go to the mountaintop, but we don't stay on the mountaintop. If we stay on the mountaintop, we never know the valley. We don't minister in the mountaintop, we minister in the valley. I love going to the mountaintop, that's a place for me. But there's no one to minister in the mountaintop when I'm there. When God takes us to the valley, he's dealing with us and he's dealing with what we're called to do. We see that Elijah in the spirit cried out and Isaiah cried out, make a way in the wilderness, prepare a way for the coming of the Lord. And John the Baptist did that. Where in the wilderness? What kind of a church did he have? A church where they ate nuts and berries and honey and locusts. How was he dressed? $8,000 silk suits with $10,000 shoes and a belt that costs 2,000 bucks. Getting into a Gulfstream airplane that is $65 million. Oh, that's kingdom, really. You know, I, I'm not here to make friends, so I don't really care what goes out. I'm so far beyond that, I could care less. Because I know that's the word of God. I know that's the will of God. God's will isn't that shepherds get fat on the sheep. God's will is that the shepherds feed the sheep and stay lean along with the sheep. 
That's Ezekiel 34. That's the time we're crossing into. Now, it doesn't mean that fat ministries and those that are in the business of their own ministry, we're going to see it all topple. I don't wish that on them. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know this. There's going to be a distaste in the mouth of the people that are hot of God and they're going to spit it out. Just like God spits out the lukewarm. Are we willing to spit out the lukewarm? What does God say? What does Jesus say? I spit it out. We need to spit it out, but we consume it. We consume it. We make the ratings high. We read everything they have. We find what they have. We hang on to every different world. We buy the books. We buy the tapes. We send in money. We are the ones who perpetuate it. They feed off of us and off of you. Ezekiel 34, the Lord cried out, I'm somewhat against these pastors, these shepherds, because they eat the grass of my people and don't even leave them a residue. Read it. This is a tough word, isn't it, this transformation? I don't care. I was born for this word. And by the grace of God, I was kept out of it and could have gone to it. I still could go to it. I might have to apologize to a bunch of people who don't want to socialize with me. You think I'm going to do it? Now, I'm going to preach the word. And I'm not looking for a popularity contrast. In fact, I saw that the more truth that John preached, it finally cost him his head. And the more truth that Paul preached, it got him a lot of beatings. And the truth that Jesus Christ preached got him crucified. If we're looking for a popularity contest in Christianity, maybe we need to retune our gospel. Maybe we need to show that there's love, but the love doesn't bend the truth. Maybe we need to show there's repentance and understanding, but it doesn't practice sin. Maybe we need to show that if we seek the kingdom first, God supplies all the needs, not the backs of the sheep. Maybe we need to show that. Maybe we need to live that. Tough word, isn't it? And by the way, this wasn't prepared. You can tell it's pent up inside of me since the Lord saved me. For somehow I've always resisted the business of the ministry. And now I thank God so much for it because we're entering into that season, a season of transformation. Beloved, John was called as a bridge. You understand that. Jesus said it clearly in John 8. He said, you had the law and the prophets. You had Moses. You had the law. You had Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. You had the Noahic covenants. By the way, where did Noah build his boat? In a wilderness. He didn't boat it in a shipyard that had a nice docking and a, you know, christened it with a champagne bottle and named it an Admiral. It was, it was built, and, and you know what? It was strategically built to deal with a lot of poop. Yeah, think about it. God built it strategically so they could deal with that, feed the animals and clean out their poop. He was a shepherd in the boat, a shepherd of creation. And it was in the wilderness. It was built with faith. It was built in the wilderness, believing God was going to do something and somehow bring the water. Beloved, we're in the wilderness here in Canfield, Ohio. God called us into the called me in the wilderness. You're here. You're in the wilderness. We're in the wilderness. You go around the world. Where do you live? Canfield, Ohio. Where the heck is that? Yeah. What good thing can come out of Bethlehem? I've begun to appreciate so much to be in the wilderness of God. I know I'm right where I believe belong, and I know you are too. And I know it's not a coming out of the wilderness. It may go and come back, but we're in the wilderness. We're in the place of next. <laughs> we're in the place of next that the whole world was going to. It was prophesied right here in 2019 as we crossed over into January of 2020. The Lord said we're going to the place of next. And he said it wasn't just for this church. It was for the world. 
And boy, did we get there. And there's no going back. I see people making fools of themselves, trying to hinge the prosperity and the hope of a nation and the world upon a pandemic. Hey, get over that. There'll just be another curse. And there'll be another curse. Because for there to be intensifying light and glory, it says, Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee, but gross darkness upon the earth. If you think it's gross and dark now, wait till you see what's coming. And if you're going to measure your peace, your success, and what you want to do by the earth, forget about it. I feel sorry for President Biden in a way, and in a way I don't. He's prophesied and said things he can't do and he won't do. And he's, and he's surrounded by a bunch of advisors that are more ignorant than he is. And our Congress has the same ignorance. Let's pray the Supreme Court has some wisdom and shoots down Roe versus Wade shortly. Because God promised that from the same place too in 2016. He said there would be three Supreme Court justices. He said to bring forth the, the, the cases from the lower courts, and when you get there, I will change your heart. You have lived that with me. We have seen the word of the Lord. And if you think there's any credibility to it now, listen to the word I'm giving you. It's not my word. I don't make these things up. I don't tell God what to do. I don't even like it when he gives me a word. But I can tell you that these next two years are a cutting away. And we're going to make choices in our lives. How are we going to be cut? Am I going to be cut with this side and I'm just going to look for motivational talking and smooth working and socializing? Or am I going to stand in the fire of the furnace with God? But I'll tell you one thing. The Lord says, seek first the kingdom of God and I'll add everything else unto you. I firmly believe it with all my heart. I am more determined now than I've ever been to seek the kingdom of God in everything I do. I had a conversation with somebody the other day and, 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 and they were asking me, well, are you going to say such and such to so, such to people? I said, no, I don't lie to make people feel good. I can't even lie to flatter people. I just don't say anything. I say, I love you. You have to come to the point where we refuse to compromise in our hearts and in our spirits with love and with grace. We have to measure up to what God has called us to be. And you're going to get challenged every moment of your life. And when we slip and we fall, we run to 1 John 1, 9 and we confess our sins to God. And he's faithful to put us right back in the fold to stay hot. Beloved, the church needs to understand you can't pray to God and be hypocritical on the other side. Remember the woman that was bent over for 18 years? She was bent over for 18 years. She went to the synagogue. It so happened that the rabbi who was preaching was a miracle healer. His name was Jesus. And it was on the Sabbath. And she went forward and Jesus said, the devil who has bound you up for all these 18 years, I cast him out. Behold, and she immediately straightened out. And what happened with the religious system? You shouldn't have done that in the temple on Saturday. We don't do labor here. And how did Jesus say? He said, you bunch of hypocrites. You untie your mule or your horse or whatever you have to come here to temple. In synagogue, that's work. And that horse was bound up so that you could use it. But this woman who was bound up for 18 years, you want to deprive her of coming to the house of God for a miracle from the miracle healer? Why weren't their prayers answered for 18 years for? For two reasons. One, they either didn't pray for or they had no power. And there's a lot of churches with no power today because they're either not praying for the miracles 
or their prayers are stopped. Beloved, I don't want my prayer stopped. I don't want your prayer stopped. I believe God's word. Ask what you shall, and it shall be done in the Father's will, if it's done according to his will. So what is the will of God today? The will of God is very clear. What's the mega picture? He is returning for a bride. Beloved, there's no bride right now. What? No, there's no bride. That's false teaching. The body of Christ is not the bride. It's sick. It's diseased. Its bride gown is wrinkled and stained. It has putrid smells to the Lord God Almighty. It's filled with flesh. God needs to prepare a bride, and the bride is those that come out. Come out of her. Come out of Babylon. We think, oh, Babylon can't be the church. Really? Then why are divorce rates as high, if not higher, in a lot of churches? Why is adultery higher? Why are pastors falling left and right, both men and women? Why is there debauchery? Why is there pornography at a higher rate, sometimes with pastors than in other places? This I know. I've had to minister to many. Why is there theft and stealing? Is that not Babylon? Babylon has to come out of the church. The bride has to be prepared. Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Beloved, I don't believe I'll be here when he comes back, but I believe many of you will. I'm praying you do. I just want to know that somehow I'm a little patch on that bridal gown and it doesn't have stitches. I just want to know it moves in. I want to know you move in. That's the time we live in. It's prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And now it's no longer just to prepare to prepare. God is calling us out. God uses people from a wilderness. And he brings them together and unites them. We have tremendous assets and resources at our reach around this world today. I was so humbled that in the midst of this fast, I got a call from an apostle in Singapore, bring us a message to the Global Watch. We want to broadcast it. I said, Lord, I, didn't, I don't know what I'm going to say. And the Lord just moved. If you haven't listened to it or watched it, try to. You can link it. It's Friday. It was all in the spirit and power of God. And it reverberated to the four corners of the earth from this little studio here in Canfield, the wilderness. And you're part of that. We're part of that. And there's others that are moving with that same spirit. It may not be the same message. Beloved, I have dear friends who are giving out messages. It doesn't mean I agree with them. You see, the salvation and redemption of the world isn't a great awakening in the United States. I'm sorry. It's not. Yes, it's necessary for this nation this nation's in the hands of God like every nation, but our citizenship is first in heaven. Our mandate isn't to change Congress, even though we should try. Our mandate is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. That's who you are. That's who I am. That's the time we live in. We either accept that's the will of God or we don't. We can keep our eyes closed and want to believe the old things of new. Go fly away, Lord Jesus, and think you're going to be raptured tomorrow morning and not go through the dark. When you're not, I'll have another cup of coffee with you. We're born here to overcome, not to escape. And our message and our gospel has to be for people to get strong and to overcome and to be equipped. David, when it was time to take the kingdom from Saul, 
He was called out to a little place called Ziklag. It was a fortress that he could hide in. And he was scared, and he didn't know what was going on. He wasn't prepared for it. And, 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 and then God began to add people to him in the wilderness, just like he did John. And when they came, they had different gifts, different resources. But the ones that stood out the most to me were the sons of Issachar. And by the way, they came with their wives and their children for the whole support basis. And these were people that were wise and knew the time that they lived in. And the word says and knew what to do in the time that they lived with. And God equipped them so that they were ambidextrous, just like he's equipping us now to be spiritually ambidextrous. They could fight and use weapons with the left hand as equally with the right hand. These were flying machines, warriors that he added to them. And our right hand is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And our left hand is the shield against the world. God has equipped us so that we can in one hand cut with the sword of the God, of the gospel. And with the other hand, we can sustain and repel the fiery darts. That's how you overcome. You don't overcome cowering, waiting for heaven to come and waiting to get raptured away. That's not going to happen. It's time to fight and to overcome. It's time to worship. It's time to watch. It's time to answer what God said to us even in the first week, the five things. He said, call upon me and I will call upon you. We need to call upon God for everything. I remember one of the first teachings I got when I went to an Assemblies of God church was that first and foremost, you, you get right with your family, you serve your family. Then you serve your church and then you serve God. I said, what? I said, I'm never going to make it. My family threw me out. Temple said I'm dead. I don't have a church. What am I going to do? God said, they're all mixed up, son. It's serve God first. I'll put all the rest in line. Thank God I learned that. There are still people that think their family comes first. No, your family is important. You serve your family. But if God is your priority, there is no second priority. Listen to me. You don't prioritize the kingdom to God. If God comes first, it's everything else with God for you. And that's the way you want it to be because then he's got it and you don't have to. I'll mess up my family. I've done a good job of that many times, but God gets it right. I mess up a lot of things, but God, get, I've messed up this church, but God gets it right. It's God. It's God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me into green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. My wife showed me a little video she saw yesterday morning on her way to prayer. I knew that Kim shouldn't have been there because she would have got one of them. It was three deer. Kimmy, they were just waiting there to be eight. And uh, the one I could tell from her picture was the doe. And I've seen her. She's been moving around my yard with her fluffy little white tail and prancing around in the mornings. And she's getting a little hefty, that doe. And there were two little bucks. My wife thought they were playing. They weren't playing. They were contending for the doe. They were bucking each other. They were boop, boop, boop. She goes, oh, they were playing with each other. I said, no, 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 no. They weren't playing. They were contending. And I looked at it and I said, Lord, that's what we need to do. We need to contend. We need to contend for everything that we do. We need to contend. Yes, keep balance. Yes, I want your families to be solid and good and, and, and pour into your families. 
But we must make God first in everything we do. And that doesn't mean that we give away everything else we're doing because of God. God God wants to be in all of your stuff. He wants to be with everything with your children. He wants to be with your decisions with work and not work. He wants to be in your finances and your troubles and your problems. I'm not telling you that you walk away from all of that. What I'm telling you is you make God the priority first and he'll do all the rest. So we understand the will of God. The will of God for today, the mega plan... If you're breathing today, is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord and to become a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Don't look for someone else to become the church without you. I've got to start with me. I've got to take care of me. And I've got to preach a word that is heard from the mountaintops and heard in the valleys. It's called transformation. You had the law and the prophets, and then came John, Jesus said. And John was that short bridge. I've taught it to you multiple times between him and the church age, between the law and the prophets and Jesus Christ. And the two overlapped. And the two were coexistent for a short while. And Jesus, just to make it sure, said, don't throw all the law and the prophets out. I've come to fulfill it. I've not come to destroy it. We're not throwing out the bodybuilding of the church. We're coming to see the spiritual transformation of the restoration of the church. And there's a crossover. And that crossover is the Elijah spirit. There's another false teaching. Elijah ain't coming back, nor is Moses. Those are <laughs> People come up with some crazy stuff. God doesn't reincarnate and bring people back. You are the Elijah spirit. You are to do the work of Elijah here on the earth right now. You are the deliverer. You the Gael, what Moses said. You are to deliver yourself and everybody else you can into the promise keepers of God. Now the rest of that all works out. I really don't care. Anybody who says they fully understand Revelation is a fool. Don't listen to them. Nobody does. Nobody will until Jesus makes it clear. Listen, learn, watch, get excited, do whatever you want to do, but don't set your life pattern on what people are trying to teach you about eschatology because you miss the moment. You're living in the moment right now with the future. What are you to do right now? Prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. How do you do that? It starts with me. And then you unite with people and come in agreement that are like-minded. How about Gideon? Huh? Had his head in the ground working on the wine press. He was a little farmer down there working out and cleaning out the stuff. And God says, oh, Gideon, you valiant and, and warrior, you valiant man of God. And Gideon, what, me? I'm in the middle of Canfield. I'm in a wilderness. What are you talking about? God says, you're a valiant warrior. Get me an army. So what's Gideon do? He's going to go get a big army. God says, no, bring them all to drink at the water. Let's see how they drink. And the ones that went there, just sucking in whatever it was and splashing and walking, said, they're not qualified. Bring me the ones that Bring me those. But Lord, we're so few. And God says, yeah, but I'm so many with the few. Beloved, I wish everybody would quit talking about a great revival about the earth that's going to bring Jesus back. Yeah, yeah, we want revival. We want rest. It needs to be a cleansing and restoration in the body of Christ. Romans eleven twenty five. Be not ignorant of this mystery unless you're wise in your own conceits. Beloved, we have a church body that's wise in its own conceits. 
Theirs is the way. I'm the one that God has called. Send me more money so that my message can get out to the whole earth. And it's the same message that 10 other people are given that you're giving money to to get out of the whole earth. And by the way, I need to get to them in a $65 million airplane and get back because that's what God told me I deserve. Hey! And we fall for it. And we perpetuate it. And we make excuses for it. You know why I can preach this way? Because I don't take money from anybody. I work. And God blesses it. He's blessing me so much right now, I can't hardly believe it. And I'm just doing what God told me to do. And I don't jump in a golf stream and go somewhere. And I don't think people need to hear me in their churches everywhere I go. I'm okay and content being on the third story of Touch Heaven Canfield Church. Because I know God will do what he needs to do with it. So you know there's a freedom that comes when you're no longer lapping the water like dogs. There's a freedom that comes when you said, I'm not falling for that anymore. I get so tired of people bringing me somebody's message and saying, Pastor, what do you think of this? Quit searching around the world for the new message. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Prepare ye the way. Make straight in the desert a highway for our Lord. A purity, a righteousness, an honesty, and integrity. We'd all do well to read about the fruits and read about the curses in Galatians. We should probably do it once a week just to remind ourselves. We'd all do well to understand you know a tree by its fruit. Oh, but pastor, you're being a little harsh. I am no harsher on anyone than I am on me first. The body of Christ needs an awakening. All the rest of it God will do. Be not ignorant of this mystery, lest you're wise in your own conceits that blindness in Israel has happened till the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Beloved, the word of God has gone to all four corners of the earth now. Oh, well, there's one little patch somewhere in the middle of the world where they haven't translated a Bible yet. Is God that small? Huh? Talk to Abram in the middle of his father's moon factory. Come out. He found me in the middle of, whoa. Come out. God finds his way. Been an astronaut or two who found the Lord in space, huh? Looking out. I love their testimonies. They finally got the awareness of the Creator in a place where they were, wow, no man could do this. The fullness of the Gentiles is coming in. And you know who the bride of Christ is? This is why I'm telling you the bride hasn't yet emerged. She needs to. There's only two scriptural references to the bride. One is the body of Christ, the church. This is his bride that needs to be prepared. The other one is Israel. He said, who's given you the writ of divorcement? I haven't. I haven't. Hmm? Poor Hosea, take you a wife. Send her out like a whore. Bring her back in. Yeah, Israel's been a whoring after other gods, but they're coming back in. Just had a nice meeting with my little brother, Samuel Smodge, the last week, face to face. 
He drove a long way just to spend time a couple hours with us. And he said to me, Brother Frank, what you said is happening in Israel. He said, there's like Messianic congregations are popping out and they're getting serious in the Lord and they're evangelizing and we're finally being able to bring some unity together of the Messianic body in Christ. That's Israel forming back into the Christ. And I can remember in 1980 when I saw the vision, you had the Gentiles here, the Gentile church, and you had Israel over here. And I didn't even know there was Messianic congregations in Israel. It was before I got there. And my friend Samuel's dad, he established the very first one. And we're closer than best friends. We're brothers. That's not an accident of God that he put us back together like that, merging that prophecy with this prophecy. And I see the body of Christ Merging, merging, merging. And I see the wife, Israel, merging, merging, merging. Jesus is coming back for one bride, not two. And he's coming back one more time, not three. Huh? And so it's happening. And the word of Zechariah is coming true where it says, ten Gentiles will hold on to the skirt of a Jew because they say you know your God and where you're going. It's happening right now. It's happening. That's the time we live in. Prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming. So who are you? You're preparers. What are you? You're spirit-filled, fire-born, strong and hot for God if you want to be. Where are you? Where you're supposed to be. And your citizens in heaven. What are you to do? Let's find the vision of God and follow it. Let's define it and follow it. And let me tell you something, it's not going to be a popularity contest for the vision of God. Never has been, never will. God moves from the wilderness in the most unlikely people because then God gets all the glory. But beyond that, it's because the unlikely people are the ones who are less likely to fall into their own agendas. You know what's the hardest thing? The hardest thing isn't dealing with the things of the body and with belief when you don't have anything. The hardest thing is to deal with it when you've got a lot. That's when they begin to fall away. That's when ministries become administrations. That's when the business of the ministry takes over and, 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 the, and the ministers become administrators and more concerned about the business of the ministry than about the Word of God and the call of God. So when God's adding on to us, and He's going to, we need to be ready and good stewards of God. We need to be ready for ourselves first and say, Lord, it's yours, it's you, and it's only you. Let me be a good steward. I shared some prophetic word both Friday and here Saturday morning. I think Ralph tried to tape it. We weren't really prepared. We didn't tape it here because we just came for prayer as usual. We need to start taping everything when we come in this house because God moves prophetically in this house. But I think you got it. I don't know. It was, it was crazy, but it was of God. It was of God what God's about to do both here and in the earth. Some of it's coming true as fast as we're speaking it. God is transforming. He's moving out of a wilderness and He's taking us. Here's what Jesus said. John 5. And I'm going to look at chapter 17, verses 19 and 20, and I'm getting ready to close. The book of John, chapter 5. I'm sorry. Chapter 5, verses 17, 19 through 20. Not 1 John, John. But that's a good scripture. 
My father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. I tell you the truth. Go on to the next one, please. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yet to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. How do we follow the father's will? We got to know his will. Jesus taught us that the father has been working right up until now, he said. Working what? To prepare the way for the Jesus to establish his church and do his ministry. Jesus said, I shall leave and I will send you one who will lead you in a greater understanding and fill you with a better spirit and a more of the spirit. And he will teach and show you all things. And so we have that Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit showing us? He's showing us the Father's will. And he's putting it through the handprints, the scarred handprints of Jesus Christ. Now God has you working. You shouldn't do anything on your own initiative. Just like Jesus said, I do my Father's will. And we should watch to see what the Father is doing. And we should do what the Father is already doing. And know that he loves you. And he shows you everything from himself. That's what he taught us. And beloved, so many people are looking to see God work, but he's working in every facet of our lives. He's all around you. He's all with you. We don't see him because we don't look to see him. Sometimes we don't want to see God in the things that we're doing, huh? We're hoping he's not seeing the things that we're doing, let alone being in the things that we're doing. Oh, I know that's only me. The rest of you walk perfect all the time. God's about to launch some mighty stuff. Here in this house, we just hit our 10 years. We're just on the other side of it. 10 years, a season of completion. That's why the Lord said transforming. And, and it's not that we're a, a monitor and a heartbeat for the world, no. But God does align things up. And, and I, you see, I believe in God enough to know that he's not making accidents. I believe God enough to know that if you and I are willing to conform, he's willing to transform and to align us with his will of God and to somehow make all the points work together for his end time purposes. I believe God for that. That's radical faith, but I believe it and I've believed it always. It sustains me, it encourages me, it disciplines me, and it makes me hungry to pursue and to never be satisfied. It's called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. And if we stay in the fear of the Lord, we don't fall. And we get strength to come back. The fear of the Lord needs to come back in the church. That's the great awakening. It's going to come. I remember one of the first times I preached, I said, the Lord showed me someday there's going to be body bags of people dying who are lying to the Holy Spirit right in the church and they're going to pull their bodies out in body bags. And, Whoa! I think we're closer to it now than I thought then. You see, people in churches aren't lying just to each other, lying to the Holy Ghost. When God wanted to put the fear in the body of Christ, what did he do with Sapphira? Hmm? Struck him down, said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Their body got filled with worms before they got out the door. Instant death, corruption of the flesh. 
And that, by the way, was in grace. Hmm. Oh, pastor, not today. We have grace. That was in grace. That was in grace. Jesus resurrected the Holy Spirit filled. You see, we frustrate grace. We take grace for granted. We think grace is our eraser for all the things that we want to get away with. But God, he's slow, but he gets there. The good news is that those who know their God and follow him will do great things. Great exploits for God. I want us to be in that category. I don't want to be in the regret category. I don't want to be in the category that's afraid of stumbling and bumbling. I want to be the ones that walk courageous and confident in the things of God because we know what he wants and we're determined to do it and that we know he's gracious enough to accept us as we are as long as we try. That's who we are. That's where we're at. That's what we're called to do. Not this week, because I want to dwell with it. I sort of let something out on Saturday morning. I was here at the keyboard. I was in the spirit, and I just let go after everybody had prayed and prepared. And some of the things that came out are things I saw 10 years ago here. And the Lord told me very clearly, son, now prepare it. It's like when he told me to do the studio. Many of you weren't here then. Probably most of you weren't here then. I said, do a studio. What are we going to do with a studio? Why, why do we want a studio? So just like I know how to do things, I started to try and do it myself, and I was trying to find this and find that and build a studio. And Lord awakened me in the middle of the night. He said, son, you're making me angry. I said, what? I'm doing the studio. Yeah but you're not doing it to excellence. I want a studio. Began to build a studio. Built the studio, locked the door, didn't use it for a year and a half. Then all of a sudden, Bonky called. Reinhard Bonky called. I need a studio close to Pittsburgh. Someone said, you have one, can I come? Landed in his jet. Youngstown Muni came over here, used the studio, and I jacked his anointing. He blessed this place and he left. And then God has been using it ever since. Eternal life with Pakistan and Friday. God gave me a vision before that studio. Ten years ago, it's about ready to start popping up. It's too big for me. It's too big for us. <laughs> that makes it God. I didn't have a dime to put in that studio What he said to do it. $80,000 later, it was built. And it still holds up. And then when we needed some more stuff, God gifted it to us. All the green technology that we needed, God gave it to us. Right, JP? God gave it to us. JP saw it. He started to drool. He goes, whoa, this is little. Whoa, wow. He was like a kid at a candy store. I said, is it good stuff? He goes, oh, it's real good stuff. New cameras. We had to change our cameras in the last couple years because they got better cameras. God provided so that we become better. What God's given us to do is big. It's big, and it'll touch the world. So we got to do it. I'll share it. We're part of something that's exciting and big and moving, but it all starts with you and me. We may never be the church structure that another church is. I've sort of let go of that. 
because I realized I'm different. Yeah. But you're here too, so that makes you different. We're different. We're peculiar people. And those who are online with us and associate with us, we're different people. Some in, in, in the mainstream say we're spiritual misfits. Well, welcome to the club. You got a lot of good members. John the Baptist, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, the prophets. How about Jesus? Huh? It's a good club. Not an easy club, but the only club if you want to get passionate and hot for God. Okay, I went a long time. I'm sorry, but I didn't get on until a long time. We had wonderful worship of God. We're in the fast. Those of you who can, can do it. If you haven't been and you want to jump in, jump in this week. A few of us will probably go a little longer. And uh, that's okay. There's, there's no legalism to it. You know, sometimes a one or two or three day fast will really sharpen you. My dear friend, if he's on, Frank Hafner, he, he won't be ashamed if I say it. He's in California. He's, uh, I think he's a charismatic Catholic. I don't know what you are, Frank. But uh, he was... He called me a couple days ago, and uh, he's, he jumped in on the fast. He said, I haven't fasted before. I'm, I'm on this fast. He says, man, he says, my discernment's increasing. Everything's getting stronger. He says, but, but he said, Pastor Frank, he said, I, I feel a little lost in this. I said, why is that, brother? He says, because I don't think God's going to do everything he wants to do with me in three weeks. <laughs> I said, well, then your fast is working, brother. What do you mean? I said, oh, the work will keep going. You're just opening up all the band-aids and showing them everything. Oh, he says, good. Somehow he thought he had to speed it up and get it all done in three weeks. Three days, two days, one day, fasted life. Bring it into your life when you can. Stay strong. We're under a good path. Something wonderful is happening. I'm excited about it. It's transformation. And by the way, we're in the place of next, and there's another next within the next. I'll share that too. It's within the next, not out of the next. It's within the next. Some of you better get ready because the Gideons, that's the ones I'm going to pour myself into, the Gideons, God's going to send you from this place and back. And you're going to start going this year and next year. Better get ready. But you've got to be Gideons. Can't play with me and you can't play with God. Don't tell me you're in and you're not in. Do not be here and then tell me you're here. I'm just being tough. There's no time. I'm going to pour into the Gideons. I'm going to give everything I've got to send out and to come back. And if it's five or 10 or three or 20 or 100 or 200, I don't care. I don't care. What do you want? What do you want? Who are you? Where are you? What are you to do? You have to answer those questions. I can't. For me and my house, we need to pursue. We need to pursue strong. That's the place we're at. Kingdom transformation. If you got nothing else out of this, get this. When you wake up in the morning, if there's a lot of snow, maybe there'll be some sun, maybe there won't, maybe the next day it'll come. But look at it like the dawn of the kingdom. All creation responds to the kingdom. When Jesus died on the cross, creation mourned. 
As God said, let there bring forth, creation came alive. Every morning, when the sun starts to come out, the birds begin to chirp. The roosters know ahead of time. The animals begin to flurry. The fish look for their food. The dawn of the kingdom age is here. We're crossing over it. The church age is in the kingdom age. Look at yourself like pioneers. Look at yourself like discoverers. Look at yourself like you're on a journey nobody has ever been on before, but you get to be on it. That's who we are. The dawn of a new age is resting upon us now. And we're going to walk into it. And we're going to prepare the way. And Jesus is going to come. Jesus is going to come. Jesus is going to come. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, thank you. If I've offended any, then Lord, forgive me. I don't claim to know the balance of the sword that cuts. I've always had a hard time deciding when Jesus was within or without that balance. Or your prophets, or your pastors, or your people. But I do know one word. Your word divides and cuts. And we need to be willing to use it and preach it when we need to. Some, Lord, are feeling a cutting away. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Change always comes with challenge. But the Lord is new every morning. Thank you for this dawn that we're walking into, Lord. Bless us, prepare us. I pray that everybody who's listened and goes, including myself, that we filter, that we don't just throw things out because of our comfort zones and that we're willing to walk and stand as we're supposed to both here and everywhere. Bless the people online, Father, and wherever they're from. Bless you all. Bless the people here. Bless our people here that can't come here. Bless those who are ill and sick at home right now. Restore them. Father, we, we don't mourn over Bob Babcock being gone. We miss him. But Lord, I know now he's in a house that is pure and clean and his body is good. We thank him for that, Lord, and in your own little way, Lord, nudge him and let him know. Touch heaven loves him. And we care. Be blessed, O oh Lord. Go with us. In Jesus' name, amen.